This episode of Foil the World is brought to you by realwatersports.com. Use affiliate code FOILTHEWORLD for upgraded shipping and a way to support the show. Aloha, Foilers. This is Brian Finch with Foil the World Podcast, Episode 3. And today we have a special guest, my friend Dave Berchevik on Instagram at Jax underscore foil underscore froth. And there can't be a more appropriate foil handle than that. Thanks, bud. Welcome to Foil the World Podcast, Dave. You're yeah, my man. first guest, and I'm uh, really happy it turned out this way. Um, super honored you're my first guest because you have a lot to do uh, with my story. Our story's intertwining here in Jack's as Foilers. And uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Honored, honored to be on the show. It's been, uh, it's been fun knowing you since you moved here, and it was just a nice treat to have someone here and um, a welcome part of the crew. Yeah, Dave uh, and the rest of Jack's crew definitely welcomed me in open arms. Really made a transition moving from Hawaii to to Northern Florida um, so much easier. You know, having a crew and, and like minded folks, and um, you know all the help getting set up, and you know those challenges of of getting set up in a new city and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when uh, my car was before I had bought my truck, and between cars, uh, Dave lives about two miles north on mayport avenue or mayport road south about a little south oh that's right we're on the <laughs> east coast i do this constantly yeah, yeah. i still close enough to come grab yet. you right yeah so dave was picking me up all the time uh bringing me to surf and was um and you know steering me in the right direction when to surf what breaks at what tide and all that fun stuff yeah that was actually huge too yeah <laughs> uh, helping me a lot with forecasting um those things anyway uh dave uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how you got into foiling. Yeah, long, long road, I guess, but um, grew up in New York and um, was like a semi-athlete skateboard BMX kid, and the second I could drive, I had to learn how to surf, <clears throat> and that was really humbling. So we had our crew up there, and uh, we were the first guys to kind of surf out in Hampton Bays, and it, they, were, they weren't really keen on, you know, new guys hanging out there and so uh this was back in like the late 80s like 89 90 and no one had really been surfing out there so we were uh not welcomed at first and we just crowbarred our way into the lineup but um moved from long island uh to get to some water water i did uh five winters up there in new york and i won't do that again but wound up moving to wrightsville beach and wilmington north carolina and that kept you know, the surf, slightly water warmer, good vibes. And, and actually that Wrightsville Beach reminds me a lot of Jack's Beach. Um, so when I was able to move here, I moved to Florida in 06 and just have been bouncing around Jacksonville for a year, Orlando, Tampa, and now back here to the beach. And, and this is the last stop, uh, hopefully. So it's been, it's been a journey, um, you know, and along the way I, I had lived in Tampa and not a lot of waves over there. So, um, a buddy of mine, Randy, had got me, said, you know, you got to pick up a stand-up paddleboard just because there's no waves. At that time, you were shortboarding? I was a shortboarder that probably could only shortboard a couple times a year and had kind of lost the the flame for it in a sense because, you know, it's just the second you live far away from the beach, you just never get that water time that you need to maintain any sort of level. And, and um, 
and, and if you're driving across the state to catch waves and the tide's wrong or the wind changes, it just, it just kills you. So the paddleboard thing for me was got me in the water and really small surf in the Gulf. And if you're driving across the state two hours, two and a half hours to catch waves, the paddleboard was almost skunk proof. So, you know, start out with a paddleboard and a shortboard in the car and cross your fingers, but, um, it, it was fun. And, um, and that eventually led me to, uh, Actually meeting Eric Antonson and and um, and then eventually to foiling. So actually started the foil journey on stand up because uh, I had that background and and um, and can still do that. We don't do it too often, but it's a good thing to have in your back pocket, I guess. Especially if you're going to learn downwind, which I haven't been too keen on trying too hard yet. So so bring bring me back to the first time uh, you, you saw a foil, heard of a foil, and yeah. then made that conscious effort to to uh, take on the journey. I think like everyone else, I think, you know, it's probably Laird a long time ago. Is that like stepping into liquid or what, right? Yeah, yeah. 2003, I believe. And I saw that and then obviously saw Kai Lenny um, with the downwind uh, between the islands on the big, you know, stand-up paddleboard with the foil on it like everyone else and didn't think too much about it, thought it was cool. And um, I think I had done a trip with Eric to Costa Rica when he was transitioning from living there to living here. And... Um, I forgot about it because Eric was a sup coach and yeah. uh, sup camp owner and a very competitive sup sup surfer as well. Straight right? up ripper. Yeah. 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 So um got to go on a stand-up trip with him and a couple of boys and he made a run aboard. So I got a new board and we uh, caught some cool waves. And um he was moving to Jacks in that transition. By the tame time he had come back to Jacksonville, he was uh sup foil uh, sup foiling and I was like at first, I was all frothy because I was like, man, I got my buddy to, you know, stand up, surf with and try to rip it up. And then all of a sudden he's got onto this new thing and it didn't take me too long to get pulled into that. So he rug pulled you, man. He made you a sub board and dude, he started sub foiling. Oh, it, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> I think before that, I know we'll talk about it a little later, but yeah, I had another stand up board before that. And then Eric made me like a six, five portal stand up and that was super fun. But um, yeah, the, the addiction's real. Uh, anyone who's listening to this is going to know that, but um I've done very little, uh, <laughs> zero stand-up surfing and very little prone surfing since then. And the prone one kills me because I really should put a little time in there. And, and I'm just so afraid to be, like most people, most surfers don't want to foil because they're going to be a kook on a foil. And I'm afraid to surf again because I'm going to be a total kook on a surfboard. I'm right there with you. I've fantasized about, um, you know, recouping my shortboard skills yeah. that I put 20 plus years yeah. of dedication into. Yep. Uh, but I just can't bring it to, I, it does, I don't have it in me to do it here in Jack's. I don't either. And, and the waves are good here, but it's spotty. It's it, spotty. It, when it's good, it's good. But I mean, compared to what you were surfing, it's probably not that good. We need to go on a secret surf retreat <sighs> for a couple of weeks. Bring the mid length. And then come <laughs> exactly. back home and and yeah. try and maintain skills from there. There's a few of our boys here that, that have been switching back and forth and keeping it. I know Robbie and Matt uh, yeah. and Eric to a certain extent as well. But um, Eric, yeah. yeah. I, I think the only way I'd do it would be on a, on a board with a lot of foam. I feel like I'm just too far gone at this point. I need... Uh, I probably am I need too. a um, woodshedding experience to go <laughs> sneak away. And just... Private woodshed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Can't have anyone looking at That scene. sounds sketchy. <laughs> Actually, with um, on uh, what was it two years ago now October, I went with Alex. Was that a year or 
last October or previous. I can't even remember now. It's all blending together. But I went to Nicaragua with oh yeah with Alex Riptish, I remember that. Uh, one of the local foilers and, and buddy of ours. And so I went shortboarding one session um, in northern Nicaragua at this beach break called the Boom, and it's super punchy, super hollow yeah. uh, wave that I have many, many years of experience surfing. Yeah, and uh, you lived down the short, there. Yeah, I lived down there. And I took the shortboard out, and it was embarrassing and difficult. And <laughs> I got pounded, and it was so frustrating. Yeah, it was like I was close, but I kept getting clipped and couldn't hold my rail and, and like really tuck under the lip line, and was it was doubling up and kind of thick and. It was just an ugly experience. It's hard to surf a thruster with your back foot, like in the middle of the board. <laughs> that seems to be what happened. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. I've it, surfed up in Nicaragua, but I didn't get down to the boom. But yeah, it would be, you know, I, I found the transition from going to stand up surfing to prone surfing pretty easy. Um, and I should have done more uh, shortboard surfing when I was a stand up guy. Um, but now even trying to ride a stand up board without a foil underneath, it's kind of weird. Uh, just laying on a normal uh, surfboard forget it without a without a foil if if it's been a while is such an odd experience yeah it starts to shake beneath totally. you it's like you, and you don't know the balance point because you're trying to be too far forward on the board and it's, right. a, it's a mess yeah that's why i think um my one buddy is like super good longboarder and he can switch and he's he's learning and i think he's doing really well he's learning how to foil but he can he said he could switch really well between a longboard like classic nose rider longboard and a foil, but shortboard, he said, is really tough. That's but he's impressive, Randy, because um, he, he does them all, So, um, which is pretty cool. I'm a little jealous. So take me back to your first session. What were you writing? <laughs> so I think I had ordered a board from Eric, and I've had this found a, a foil board now? Yeah, this is my stand-up, my first stand-up okay. foil setup. So I think Eric was actually helping me, too. And I, we're looking around on, like, Craigslist, and... There was a guy that had like a Takuma 7.6 Chaz down in uh, Rockledge, like Cocoa Beach area. And so I had to take a you know two and a half hour drive or maybe we met in the middle. But I picked up a used stand up board, sight unseen. And um, and then there was a slingshot setup that was on Craigslist. And, and sure enough, it was Mike Pedigo that was selling his. I think he had just graduated from that slingshot setup to... I think it was the uh, Neil Pride, the MP. So did you know Mike at this point? or You know, it's funny. Had I, heard of him just as I a think I knew of him. We have a couple mutual friends, um, uh, Dave Slemp for sure, who I knew, who knew Pedigo. And um, so we had a couple mutual friends and some crossover friends. But yeah, sure enough, I met him at his house and, and bought that like full-on aluminum slingshot death trap. No, it was it was perfect. Big front wing. I forgot the size, but it was big rig. And uh, you know, for stand up, I think you definitely better to have a bigger setup than a smaller setup, especially when you're learning. I get you know you learn how to wrangle. Uh, I think that's foot. true and prone and yeah, everything else for too. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, and I think at that point Eric had bought like a little inflatable, or maybe shortly thereafter, and was doing some some toe-ins in the ocean on flat days in the summer, like flat flat days. And I, if I wasn't trying to, I did it behind the boat a couple times. I almost pulled to this day, one of the worst tacos ever. Um, I'm not a big weight guy. So I was pulling on the rope and leaning over my toe side rail just enough for that, for that foil to come up out of the water. And I think it just missed my face by <laughs> like inches. It was terrifying. Um, 
And so I, I did mostly just on pretty much almost flat days of just trying to be in position, you know, paddle into position on the stand-up board where if there was a wave, you could catch it. And even if it, there's not enough juice to get you going, just start paddling, like pretty proficient paddler on a stand-up board. So big advantage, but definitely remember, you know, first time coming up out of the water, you know, you're two inches off the board, you feel like you're 12 feet off the water and it's just terrifying. Um, yeah, and it's funny because there's a lot of dudes around here now uh, that are learning to foil and it's fun watching them because there's just no shortcuts to all those experiences and feelings. So um, it kind of reinforces your personal like badge of honor. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. People. <laughs> Boot camp. <laughs> yeah, going through that story. <laughs> you salute those folks. Yeah. yeah. You think back to how it was. And, and it crosses uh, over into winging too. Like, right. I mean, I'm a flat pond guy winging and, and been just too much of a puss to be in the ocean and pay my dues and I'm close to getting it. But the same thing, like all the boys now are like, you're like right there. If you put in a couple more sessions, it'll click. And once you start riding waves, uh, you know, that clicks too. So I need to put in the time. I've been slack. I've been prone, 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 no downwinding. Um, and everyone else is really kind of moving along. So, uh, I'm pretty happy prone. If I add the winging thing in great, if downwinding later, I, I, I can imagine the level of frustration that I'm going to have, you know, that's going to be there. It's inevitable, even with good paddle skills. Um, and our conditions are, are spotty. You know, there's been some, some runs you guys have done where you thought it was going to be epic and it's just epic fail because the wind direction changes or dies or, uh, yeah, a lot of factors, and then pickups, and I mean, you got to pay the bills, right? Absolutely. That's part of, uh, yeah, part of the the uh, learning evolution. Yeah, is just putting yourself out there, and I've been trying to put all my bill paying into just just prone, you into know, the prone. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you're selling yourself so short on the winging because the last <laughs> the last time I saw you out winging, you're out there tacking and jibing. No, no tacks. Oh, excuse me, you're out there jibing both ways. Yeah, both ways. Both ways which yeah. was that's a big accomplishment. You you what what I was. Uh, you can tack out, right? You're able to. I can slog out, switch. I can't not on foil though. Okay, I might be overselling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> but I do remember the last time seeing you in the pond, like in the beginning session, you were having a hard time. I was wrapping up my session. Yeah. I was driving away like really slow. Yeah. And I was watching you pop right up. Yeah. Cruise out. Did your jibe? Cruise straight back in, and you had your toe side. Yeah. And your heel side. You weren't yeah. slogging. No, it, it depends on the wind. Like for us at the pond on a northeast wind, I have to slog out as a regular footer right. and then get up on foil coming back towards the shore. Um, so, yeah, depending on the wind direction, I wouldn't have to slog out to get up on foil. Um, and then I think I got up on foil uh, with the wing on the other side twice. You need, need a lot of wind. That's, that's a good one to have. But, you know, I feel like all that goes out in... in, in what happens at the pond does not happen in the ocean uh, until you figure it out. So there, there's a bunch of the boys now that are really getting after it. And uh, I uh, have not paid the proper dues. It's uh, one of the hardest, steepest learning curves in almost all sports, it seems yeah. like. And that uh, it's different. You know, it's going to be a different experience depending on your conditions, yeah. your hometown. Well, Eric and I situation. Think, yeah. Um, one thing I always recommend is is learning in a spot like the pond. Yeah. Where you have uh, what I call a catcher's mitt. You know, you have uh, your worst case scenario. 
and you're going to be blown to shore right. and you can walk right. back or hitchhike back. Uh, walk, a, walk of shame. Walk of shame yeah. or hitchhike back or whatever your bay experience yeah. is, whatever kind of setup you have. Like oftentimes in those bay setups, you end up on the other side of the, a, a road and an access point to while <laughs> get around, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, any kind of catcher's mitt situation yeah. where you can get blown. Yeah. I think the walk of shame at the pond is done, but I, I think I've got at least three or four more walk of shames in the ocean before I, uh, before I get it. But yeah, like uh, Eric and Matt, and I think like, and you have told me when you, you know, when you're jibing in the ocean, use the wave to help do the jibe. And, and, um, so I was in a position a couple of times last time I was out and it was probably a perfect day uh, to be out there. So I didn't feel bad about that, but it was a Northwest wind. So I was going out into the ocean and then you kind of had to slog back, which, which is fine. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't getting my arm out to catch that wing on the jibe. And it was it was frustrating because I felt like I was doing everything right. But um, you were keeping it, the wing too close to your body. I don't know. I felt like with the with the energy pushing down the beach, um, everything felt further away from me. So by the time I came around on the jibe, I was almost kind of stalling out, which, you know, something I haven't at, at the pond. I was kind of making most you know, 75, 80 percent jibes and in the ocean like zero (laughs) percent yeah i think i i'm i'm imagining is about timing that oncoming swell but that that, i guess that's my point like the timing at the pond and flat water versus the timing in the ocean are are, they're very different it's interesting what did you struggle with initially in um in a timing sense you mentioned with catching waves um sup foiling um, I, honestly, I think I was pretty hardcore subfoiler for 10 years. So it, it was more just managing lift and, and making sure you're not leaning over the board because I think, you know, with stand up, if you're trying to crank a turn, you're like leaned over, leaned on your paddle, your paddles bent. So you're so far over the side of the rail, leaning onto that, you know, the, the toe, the toe side or the heel side rail of the sub board. And the only way to move those big boards is to really lean over the side and use the paddle. So that obviously doesn't fly in, in uh, foiling. So I think it was just really staying grounded. And, um, and the old adage where if things aren't going right, just get out of there because bad things happen if you don't. Um, but the, the catching of the waves and the positioning was pretty good for me just with, with SOP, you know. So th- that part was good. Um, and Eric was a good coach uh, when he was around. And then I think Eric had a project he was working on. So he dipped out of town for a while. And I started foiling uh, with Nate, our boy Nate, and uh, Nathan Shue. Nate Shue, shout out to the wingmaster, full on waterman. Um, but Nate and I did a, a fair amount of uh, stand up surfing together too over the years, and and uh, and he was kite foiling, I think, at that point, and maybe just making the transition into wing foiling. So he had that super deep background of of winging and kiting. So he has become yeah, just jack of all trades. Well, I don't, he doesn't downwind. Um, like stand up downwind, but I'm pretty sure he could do that if he wanted to too. So, so during um, lockdowns, you guys were out scoring because oh. you were subfoilers. Yeah, big time. And it was, um, you know, there was that one point where the beaches were locked down, which ironically, right, safest place to be. But they thought people were going to be congregating on the beaches, so they closed them down for two weeks. And um, there was a few beaches south of us where maybe you could get out but the only place you can get out was uh we found a place at um we it was a boat launch and you could paddle out there 
and get into the ocean, but you basically had to pile up, paddle a mile out through the inlet where we foil and, right. you know, the playground. Yeah. The playground, the skate park, but it's a long paddle. Um, but we did it and we were able to score like super uncrowded waves. And there it's was also, some, it, it's a little creepy being all the way out there too. Cause there's a lot of wildlife. It's always creepy, there's, especially on the other side where, yes. where we were doing, it's exceptionally sharky and sketchy. You're pretty far from everything. You feel like you're in central America sure. looking yeah. back at the beach. And <laughs> right. you, yeah. It's such a weird river mouth feel. Um, but when that place works, it's, it's actual full blown point break. And we were sup foiling, um, kind of like the second point there and there was a couple guys on longboards and there was a couple guys that paddled out on stand-up boards towing longboards and shortboards and coolers because if you were going out there you might as well be out there yeah and it's a, a it's a long paddle yeah like drop anchor and just do it so i've committed to bringing my uh downwind board sub board with me to the skate park mm -hmm. for those kind of days now um just to you know shore up my paddling uh, you know, improve those skills. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just, it's the best call. Definitely. It's the best call for those conditions. And when it's, when it's doing that, it's hard to track down if, you know, I paddle out there all the time on a prone board, but with the leaderage we're riding and the way that wave crumbles and rarely in this exact same spot. Yeah. Um, just the subboard just makes so much sense. And yeah, I started to take that out and, yeah. and committing to bringing it every time. Cause yeah, many times it's the best option. Definitely. Especially, especially in the summertime when, when it's just, you know, it's, it might be enough for the swells to hit the bar and, and sort of run, but they don't really break. Um, so we were able to kind of get up on unbroken waves on stand up, which was insane. And still put in a good minute to two minute ride. Oh yeah. All the way to the entire. You could get a runner all the way into the inlet and then you could just canoe paddle back out. You didn't even have to stand up and take your time. Um, and it was funny cause at that place, like I never pictured myself proning there ever because, well, the way the bar was back then, we could catch it so far out there on the stand up boards. And when the tides are, were different, you can just surf different parts of the sandbar. And, um, but yeah, it wasn't really until uh, like, I think Eric, uh, at one point had, had kind of gotten out of stand up and gotten into prone and. I remember being like, well, that, that's not going to work well out at, <laughs> out there. And obviously it does, but you got to have a pump game to really maximize it. And, um, but once you have that, it opens up that place like, like crazy. But you, to your point, there are days where, yeah, you got to throw this up in the car there. Just, just whatever is going to be the most fun on the day sort of attitude. It's like riding a, a longboard versus a, a shortboard. Right. Yeah. All good. So when you, when you first started uh, foiling, Sup foiling, you had Eric. Obviously, was the catalyst. Here the, the Godfather. Um, <laughs> uh, Nate was already yeah. uh, wing foiling at that time. Nate, I think, was probably in the beginning of wing foiling. It, Nate and I were pretty, pretty much same level on the stand up thing. And um, but at that point, I, I don't. There wasn't too many guys really doing it around here. A who bunch who of, else was there? I'm, I'm trying to think. I I think maybe Matt had gotten into it. At somewhere around that time, he was pretty early on for sure. And I, maybe I just didn't know him at the time because a lot of the boys we met via Eric and, you know, his place, his beach break there being the epicenter of the whole scene. Um, I don't think I had met Austin or Robbie or Kirk or any of the Greg, I think, had, you know, I, at that point, if they were getting into it, we just didn't know them yet. Um, how, so, how many years ago was this? 
I think this is three years now or right. just over three years. I'm trying to think of the with timeline with the, with the boys. But, you know, my focus, I didn't even think about winging at that point. So my focus was just really, um, you know, SUP and then. So about three years ago, there was just it was a three, handful, four, three, four of you guys. Yeah. Ex- and, and I'm excluding the kite guys, but I'm talking, right. you know, prone stand up there. They're, obviously, Pedigo, he had, you know, I think he'd been foiling a year or two before me. I think Eric had a year He's on down in St. Augustine. St. Augustine. He's like an hour away and he comes up pretty often, yeah. which is insane. Um, but yeah, at the time it was few Dasher, right? He was out there with us and uh Chris, who just moved out to Oregon, um, or to the to the gorge. Yeah. And um yeah, it was pretty, pretty lean back then. So nowadays, how many prone foilers do we have here in Jacks? Fifteen? I think maybe there's not a I'd say twelve, ten or I, so I'd regulars. Say, I'd say fifteen, twenty regulars. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. And then add in and then there's some there's winging guys that have gotten crew. into, you know, prone, right? There's some of that going on. A lot of the prone guys got into winging. Um, the kite guys got into winging. So, yeah, it's been a cool, um, a very fun scene. Uh, I always I always think, like, like the golden years of surfing back in, like, the 50s, I guess, um, where you just didn't see surfers. And if you saw a surfer, you're like, hey, what are you riding? Or I'm glad to have somebody to share these waves with and it's not really like that anymore. Foiling, yeah, that's a universal vibe still in foiling. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the beautiful things yeah. about it. And I, you know, I didn't get in at the ground floor, but um, not too, you know, pretty relatively. Um, so it's just crazy fun to see what everyone's riding or share some waves. And that we definitely, at least here in Jack's, we have that, you know, everyone, it's super happy to see everybody out there and everyone progressing. Let's talk a little about your um, your personal foil evolution and the kits you were riding. Sure. Um, I know I came in when you were kind of battling <laughs> between systems. Yeah. Um, but I hated that. In the last year and a half, it's been really fun watching you progress at a, a pretty solid clip. Thanks. And how old are you now? 52. You're 52. It's terrifying. You've got big old juicy quads. <laughs> Cantaloupe, yeah, cantaloupe calves. <laughs> you're in great shape. Um, this will do it, right? And you're still learning at a fast pace, which yeah. is so cool to see. Ah, uh, thanks, Dan. Well, listen, if you can't learn around, you know, you got. I got Eric and you and Pedigo here, and and you know, like it's just Austin. It's in Austin. I mean, it's it's like a circus. Um, it's crazy. Uh, and even uh, John Dodd up in uh, Fernandina, and there's just a lot of ripping going on. So, and, and coaching. I mean, I, it's, it's like anything else. You think you're doing one thing and you, you're, you're just not doing it. So uh, you guys are particularly good at saying, hey, you know, you were a little high on the foil or not high enough or your, your nose up or whatever it is. Those, those things, I mean, you should get better when you've got that going on. I, I say this at nauseum, but it's one of my stronger beliefs is that you know, a high tide raises all ships. Right? There you go. And it, it's all about, yeah, building each other up, yeah. um, helping a, helping a, ourselves out as much as possible, right? Because yeah. we always have the well, same passion. We were excitement. talking about it, yeah, before this. Like at any level, I get stoked watching any of the guys conquer a next level where it be like, you know, kicking out, grave digging, Whatever, whatever, whatever it is. What's what's explain grave digging? <laughs> this is a this is a term I think Dave and I coined. We just it, made up one day. Yeah, watching each other struggle pumping out of like the inside foamy section with no speed. Right. And so when you do that, 
or here, you, you explain it better. Right. So yeah, you're kicking out over like a closeout section essentially, and you've got no speed and you're going to get low on the mast. And it's like, it's like having a four wheel drive vehicle. Can you pump your foil back up on like out of the sand, out of the Can quicksand? Can you lock the hubs <laughs> before you That's exactly sink right. to the frame? Yeah. And the grave digger around here, I think is, is just so important. You're almost stalled. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you're just putting the, all your juice yeah. into this pump and to bring it out of the you, hole and back up on the foil. Yeah. And that's what we refer to grave digging. Digging. Um, it's, it's funny when we see each other do that. We can be, you know, 100 yards away and we'll do like the shovel. <laughs> you know, we'll do the shovel dance and just uh, like a nice, yeah. a little nod to a nice grave dig. But Absolutely. It's, it's like your board slapping the water. I mean, you've got nothing. And, um, I think foil choice helps with that too. Yeah. You feel dead. After yeah, you're, you're dead. And then you're too. you're thinking about your energy levels, like, <laughs> do you, like, because if I get out of this thing now, I got to go pump eighty right. yards out to find something else. Totally. But it, it is it is a uh, it's a mandatory technique, I think. <laughs> Here in Jack, especially. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So you started on the slingshot setup. Yep. Do you remember what size wing that was? It was it was huge. Um, I forget. It was like the biggest one, that pretty 94 much. Four or something. I forget what. It was massive. Um, kind of looks like the Lift Two Hundred. I think right. Like it's got it's it's got a super wide cord and. Um, okay, we'll what, make a. Would you write after that? Yeah, one? yeah. So from there, I think I jumped into Axis, um, and at that point, I was pretty much straight up. Uh, I think I had got maybe gotten my first prone board somewhere in there and. Tried it a couple times, but yeah, I rode the Axis setup, um, which was really pretty fun. Like at the time, I think it was I had the one thousand and the nine hundred, which I think were pretty important foils for the time. Um, and then they started doing a little more high aspect stuff, so I think I got the ten ten. And I think by the time <clears throat> I were, had, were you double dipping at this time? Yeah, yeah, riding? yeah. No, for sure. I think even on the ten ten, I might have got my first like quad dip on stand-up, which I was kind of proud of because that thing pumped really well um, uh, for a, for a you know, you're riding a big, relatively heavy sop. That thing was good. I didn't know, loved how it turned as much. And at that point, I, I was kind of making the transition into maybe doing a little more prone foiling, but still mostly stand-up. And so from Axis, um, I went to Takuma and I took a gamble on Takuma. I, I didn't, you know, nobody had one around here. Like at this point, it was like, Nate was probably riding F1. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of brands. I think Pedigo was riding, you know, Neil Pride or Go oh, GoFoil um, at the time. Oh, no, I got the Neil Pride set up before I, after Axis. And then I got Takuma. So, uh, like, Eric had gotten into Neil Pride. Um, yeah, Eric and Mike, I think. And um, so that seemed like the natural progression. A little more surfy. Um, the Axises were good, but um, I think they were better suited for SUP. And and things were changing really fast there, so no harm, no foul against Axis, obviously. But um, yeah, so then I went Neil Pride, and I think by the time I got the Neil Pride, I had really committed to prone, and um, and that was challenging as well, um, definitely challenging. Um, I think with the years of stand up, you got I got really good at positioning for stand up surfing, um, but I had lost some of that positioning for shortboard positioning, um, which it was in there, but I just had to kind of get it back recalibrate yeah for bit. sure and it is it's pretty big recalibration actually um you know the turns are so instant on a on a prone board versus more drawn out on on the uh sup but yeah that was fun and then from neil pride i think i went to takuma 
And, um, and that was is fun. This the 1250? No, this was like the LOL. So I had the 1600, which was like for, for small waves around here. It was really good. When it got bigger on standup, I could ride the 1300. And then at one point I got the 1900 when I started winging or even for riding like super small bumps out at the inlet there and just being able to pluck off anything and glide and pump. And um, that was that was a fun wing. Um, all those wings were really fun for the time. I had the 13 and the 16 back in the day. And yeah. I didn't put a ton in t- of time in on them. Yeah. Um, but they were they're kind of ahead of their time in in many regards that they they had a great role for how much like lift quotient they had. You know, they yeah. had quite a bit of lift. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of the downwind videos that were coming off off of those were some of the first like um, downwind videos where the guys had a ton of glide, but they were also ripping like one hundred really nice turns. And I'm thinking of the in particular um, the guy Laurent, I guess the LOL, yep, the French dude, I believe, yep, that um, collaborated with Takuma to make that yep. series of wings. And I remember seeing him and some of his friends just ripping these yeah. incredible turns out in the downwind. It looked like they were pushing the limits in the surf you know yeah. and at the time that was didn't exist yeah you didn't see much no, of that there was no. some here yeah. and there but yeah i remember your review of the takuma 1300 on your youtube channel oh that's funny no like there was no i rolled the dice on takuma here big time and and um it was fun um and even like eric i mean was i think he i mean he's he kind of rips it on everything but i remember when he got that 1300 and he was just freaking on it and even still eric and i were talking and some of his clips on that will hold true today with, with the level he's at now. What, what's uh, homeboy's name? Jay? Jay was still riding it up until not long ago. Oh, yeah. The, Jay Bird. Was, yeah. Yeah. Is he a triathlete or runner or something? Yeah, like, he's, he's insane. Some gnarly, he's super. I want to see like a death match of him and, and uh, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Oscar, the, uh, the Aussie guy. No, Oscar our, our 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 Adam. Oh yeah, the White yeah. Walker. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude, the the two cardio kings. I yeah. Just pump out to see whoever. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But um, only yeah. one man returns. Yeah, two just... men enter, one man leave. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the thirteen hundred was super legit, and um, at that point, I think I was pretty much prone, um, and then the. The twelve ten came out, and that was groundbreaking. The twelve ten seemed like a game changer for Jacks. I, I I feel like I arrived right around the time. I think just a bit later than when you, Mike, and Eric were riding the twelve yeah. twelve ten. I, yeah. I keep calling it twelve fifty, but the Takuma twelve ten. Yeah, the Kujera. Yep, that was a groundbreaker. That that was best of both worlds, and um, it, yeah, that wing super had good, great pump, yeah, and a great low end with carve. And it's just very suited for these waves. And very adjustable. Your guys' body weights, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a buck 90, buck 95. So having that extra lift on small days was was, uh, super good. Um, And I think everything I had ridden, I had just gotten used to a very front-footed feel. Um, So in that sense, you know, it was was great. It was a a game changer. And, um, yeah, at that point, like, I was trying to get my pump game somewhat, you know, decent. Um, consistently making double dips and green water connections and all that good stuff. And, and then Armstrong came out with a bunch of stuff and I was really, I mean, I think everybody was really excited about it. So shortly after moving here, I moved here in, in, in the summer, just before summer. And we went through a summer when you were, um, Armstrong and playing with Armstrong Yeah, and you had a couple 
a, a couple um, moments of brilliance yeah. with uh, an overwhelming amount of frustration. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, um, and it's funny because I like I watch you guys. You guys can pretty much ride anything. You'll make it work. I think for me, I just struggled with the Armstrong stuff. And again, not because it's not good. Um, it's super good, but it, it compared to everything else I had ridden, it is just a very different feel. And um, I think it's a more neutral footed. I mean, you wrote a, you wrote a bunch of Armstrong stuff. I mean, obviously, yeah, for a yeah, long time. For a long time. And um, I think if I would have stuck with it, I would have gotten it. But at the same time, it made me realize, like, for what I was looking for, what I was used to, um, that twelve ten at the time was just. I remember when I switched back. I think I had a couple sessions with you, and I was like, "This is this is." Okay. Yeah, I was like, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, Dave. That's stick on the twelve ten. Yeah, you, yeah. Right off the bat, you got right back to ripping. Yeah, yeah. For it, it was it was night and day. And um, so you were having a hard time with what was it? The fifteen fifty. Now the fifteen fifty V two was was probably my favorite of the bunch. Um, and we had a super fun session on the eleven twenty five, and I I kind of had worked it out and gotten the setup right and gotten the tail right and played around with some tail shimming to get more of a front foot feel. And um, that would have worked out for sure. Um, and then I got the 925. And for me, in less than perfect conditions, it was, it was, uh, it's not an every, it wouldn't have been an everyday foil for me. That's where you drew the line. That was it. At the 925. Yeah. You're giving up. I don't mind giving up a couple waves of just complete failure. Uh, but, but after that. That was the foil that broke Bear Chevy's. Yeah, back. yeah, that was it. But and then but and then I my thoughts on the fifteen fifty V two, it reminded me the most of the Takuma twelve ten and um, and it turned really buttery. But at that point, it's still a pretty big foil, um, so it made sense to go back to Takuma, and so I wound up selling off the Armstrong gear, and um, and I wanted to have another setup. So actually, I went go foil because they were just coming out with um, my buddy Nick is you know the go foil guy, so. Um, they were just coming out with the RS stuff and the GT stuff. Nick is the go for guy, meaning um, he was actually their supplier for the states, and so he had a company. He has a company called Solsa Sports. He was doing GoFoil and then his own stuff. But he was working with Alex um, and basically uh, supplying GoFoil. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I was able to get my hands on some GoFoil gear pretty early on when that when the GTs and the RSs came out and. Um, that was super fun. And again, GoFoil being pretty front footed was just a super easy switch from Takuma to GoFoil. And, um, you know, the GoFoils were great. The Takumas were really sharp. I had a, a fun um, stitches incident with the 1210. Um, this is the 1210 Kajura with the tips still on, right? Yeah. And eventually those got taken off. That, that, so you, uh, you nearly cut your brachial artery. Ah, I don't know. It was it was on my bicep, so that there wasn't any veins there. But but that was with a, a three two wetsuit on it, just sliced right through. And it, it's so funny. Like we had just had a couple days in a row of junk surf, and then we finally got a clean day, like butter day, like buttery. And um, all the boys were out there, and I was so tired. My legs were numb, and I was just sloppy. And I took off on a wave, and I was just not paying attention, and I just tacoed, and the board came up, and. The front wing got my bicep, the back wing got like my rib cage, and it ripped through my suit on the rib cage, it ripped right through the suit on my bicep, and um, man, it was sketch. And our buddy Matt, who wound up being a doctor, <laughs> watched the whole thing, and so went to the uh, uh, walk-in with my wetsuit on and got like seven stitches, and uh, 
yeah, those those things are sharp, w- well documented. But around here, I think everyone started sanding tips pretty much after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I think they, a couple of people had a couple of close calls, but that was like the the warning bell. Tips started disappearing in the night. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that that was during the time of a lot of sanding going on around here, mostly at Eric's house, I think. Yeah. Oh, chop. your place too, chopping tips. Chop shop. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is interesting though. I feel like everyone's sort of working that out now with the gear that like you don't hear about people chopping too much now maybe other than tails not nearly as, yeah. as much before yeah. yeah but anyway the go for stuff was super fun and uh, i think the rs 1150 well, that's, that's where you're riding right now right yeah yeah um mostly that i've got the 1000 the gt 1250 the gt 400 and then for light wind winging i got that big uh, gt 2200 which is straight up cheat code um super fun Throw that on a sup, bro. Yeah, I've done it. It's pretty good. I've d- I did it on prone too, like on just the smallest of small days. And it was, um, the, it doesn't want to turn too great, but you could stay up on foil for a while. Do you ever get sick of me <laughs> harassing you <laughs> to no. just jump in the fire more? Oh, yeah. You know, you have, we have definitely different like learning styles, right? Eric and I are more like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Let's try a five mile run. Right. And we're, you're more calculated. You like a more of a <laughs> calculated is a word for it. I, I, so, do you, do you ever get sick of my like text? No. Like, let's go. Let's no. like after you're like, I got shit to do today, yeah. or not for me. And I still, well, you do me. the same too. You got shit to do too some days where it's pretty fun, but yeah, I just don't respond to text. <laughs> I just I ghost. take the abuse. Yeah. I just exactly. straight ghost. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good having people push you, but I also know my my frustration levels and the way I learn is not the way you guys learn. Um, call it what you will, but I, I know myself. If I keep putting myself out there and right, Eric's got a, a three F bomb rule on a downwinder. That would that yeah, I would probably you would have adopt a, the rule three F bombs and I'd and have seventeen. Go to shore. I'd have seventeen and just be like really pissed off. <laughs> um but that being said, look at what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm cool with it. I learn at my own pace. And right now, I'm super stoked on, on prone. But I, 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 think, I think I'd rather, for around here, with our conditions, I think the winging thing should be... Um, I'd be I'm a little more FOMO'd on winging than I am on downwinding. Just because I feel like even for the downwinds, it's, it's got to be right. There's small windows, more prone for shockers. And I've already paid some dues on the wing, so... Right, I just feel knowing your your background, yeah, in sup, yeah, in sup foiling, and being a freaking ogre, strong yeah. as shit. <laughs> knowing, like, I don't feel like there would be a lot of penalty for you in downwind supping when on on uh, on viable condition, yeah. day, right, yeah. You know, you come down, I feel like you just crank right back up. And you catch I don't know. Waves. Yeah, we'll we'll find out one of these days. Well, but, let's uh, find out. Yeah, <laughs> sooner than later. Let's go. Right on. I, you're pretty sure you'll. Leave me in the dust. I doubt it. <laughs> Once you're up, you'll be like a, a, a little... Actually, you know how to read the waves, the bumps. And I did a shore runner with Eric the other day, and I hadn't done one in a while. And I was I had a I had a shocker. I mean, Eric's put in the miles, literally. So you, you go on a shore runner with him, you're, you're going by yourself, which, you know, unless you both take off in the same chip and you can... Yeah. I think Pettigo, like the three of you guys have had some good sessions where you're all pretty close together and watching each other. But um, yeah. I think um, all things that'll come in time. It's been a while for the shore runner, so I can't promise I won't continue to harass. That you should, bro. <laughs> I need someone to push me. Oh, so we've got um, and talking about gear and the GoFoil stuff's been great. 
Um, super fun, pretty intuitive. I like the fixed tails. You don't have to tinker with stuff. They seem to work. Played around with some base plate shimming, um, which seems to help, I think, um, because it is so front footed. Yeah. Initially, when you were, you're, you were writing very nose up. Yes. When you first got that set up. Yep. What was going on there? Was it uh, your board angle in the boxes or? Um, I think a lot of it was, I think, and, and Mike's talked about this too. I think the GoFoils do have a little propensity to be nose up. Um, so I think. I believe that comes from uh, a lot of the development being through winging. Winging. Yeah. A lot of the testing. But it's interesting though, because Armstrong, I think a lot of those wings were designed more with winging in mind. Maybe, maybe not the new wings, right? The brand new wings, but, um, but they ride so differently. So it is uh, agree, but they do test really well winging yep. as well. Yep. Yep. I get it. Um, I think as far as prone goes, now that I know a little bit more about it, foot positioning could have been part of it for sure. But I think changing the angle on the bottom of the board was the key and it didn't take much. Um, I was able to wrangle a Takuma base plate shim um, to work with the GoFoils, just modified it. And then Mike actually... So you you were tuning the, the nose angle down then? Right? Yeah, exactly. And it like two degrees made a nice difference. Because I think I remember you like moving your box back and forth yeah, yeah. all over the place and still like having to like stand super far forward yeah. and trying to pin the nose down. Yeah. It was just over lifting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I think I think I kind of got that covered either with technique or, or base plate shimming. And um, yeah, I think when you're not when you're riding nose up like that, you're just working so much harder, and you're not letting the foil do the work. So. Right to a degree, right? Yeah, you, for sure. You want a, a little bit, but a lot is. I want a little more neutral, like I think. Yeah. Well, and I think even Mike on on his one of his podcasts was talking about like the go foil and having the same issues. So um, I think there's some things that are just hardwired into. And if you choose to go with that fixed tail, then the base plate shim seems to be the best way to work it out. Um, but I've got... So once you tune that, I remember seeing... Yeah. You know, next session. Yeah. Um, you know, grave, more level. Grave dig delight. Easy, <laughs> you know. You're taking off way inside. For sure. Pumping right through all that foam. Yeah. And blasting way outside. And your pump speed was like really fast. Yeah. I was impressed. Like the the momentum and the, and the top speed you had pumping back out all yeah. of a sudden was so much higher. Yep. And... Just the confident in your in your in your pump, everything just it looked tuned, yeah. and dialed. Yeah. No, and I from I, there from there, that let you start really laying in your turns much harder than you were before. Yeah. Because you're going into your connection turns now with more confidence, more speed, and more control. One hundred percent. Yeah, that is the key. So we've got um I think next week, Christmas might come a few days late, but uh couple of the boys here have Eric's new setup coming. And um, so I've, I've been watching him, you know, test religiously uh, those prototypes and work on a million tails and shim angles and putting in the work. But um, I'm going to get my hands on one of those setups. So I'll have the 170. And this is the unifoil. Yeah, progression, progression which, progression which is going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of boys here will be rocking them. And uh, very excited to give that a whirl. I got to try... Yeah, uh, the 140. Yep. Briefly for a few waves. Um, I think this Matt. It was Matt's setup. Yep. Matt yep. had borrowed one of the prototypes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So Matt had uh, the 140 progression, and we tried it. I, or I got to ride a few waves in a little, you know, a foot overhead down to you know waist high by the time the wave um, died out, and it was you know it's a great wing, right? Right off the bat, first wave, um, it was intuitive. 
uh, very fast. You know, the glide was there. It was on. We were on a longer mass, so I could feel the the little extra uh, roll delay because I haven't been riding longer mass in quite a while. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm really I, I got stoked for Eric because these things <sighs> from just watching Eric ride. You know, all these clips that are pouring out right now on Instagram and then having that experience riding that 140. It's, yeah. I'm um, just really excited for Eric and yeah. what he's built. Yeah. I'm usually bobbing around in the background on those clips. So I, I've watched a lot of that <laughs> evolution and the surfing he's doing. But, but you know, I know Eric, he's not going to put his name on something that he doesn't, uh, you know, really believe in. 100%. So. He wouldn't have it any other way. No, no, um, no. Let's no. give a shout out to Miss... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that face. <laughs> What'd you give me that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Miss Sarah Antonson. Oh, for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, for providing the, the Queen foil crew with with video footage. You know, we've learned uh, so much just watching our own footage back. Yeah. Um, she's pretty selfless out there. Yeah. Standing in the sun. Standing yeah. in the cold. And, Sweating. Freezing. And, yeah, and lugging that gear down to the beach, back and forth, and and then sharing, taking her time to sort our clips by name and then deliver them to us she's she's uh she's the best we, we definitely absolutely yeah and it's funny that the talk about learning that no better way to learn than you know watching yourself and it's painful at first you know but there's no better it's, way it kind of stings every time yeah. i watch <laughs> a video myself <laughs> or you have like one good run and then you blow it at the end doing something so stupid you're like uh-huh it could have been a whole clip but yeah, no, she is the best. That kind of uh, brings up a little plug here. Uh, uh, for Eric and I, we're going to start our foil camps again. Awesome. In uh, in April. And you've, you've witnessed. You I know, was out surfing with you yeah, guys during the camp. Out during yeah. some of the camps and in road and even like um, throwing tips out there and, and some advice to some of our, our campers. It was pretty awesome. But yeah, just that uh, just kind of remind me we're going to have, you know, always we do the yeah video every session yeah and then we do a video breakdown because it is just you know it's the key. hands down the best the best learning tool you can have yeah i um that was fun to watch uh you had a it was the last one you guys did you had that really good crew from south florida and those guys were great and um and i could watch what you were coaching and i could watch them apply and then even hanging out for the video session after like you could see it like sinking in, you know, it's, it's really cool. It was, it's, it's satisfying even, um, you know, as a, as a coach, watching sure. as a coach, it's so satisfying seeing, seeing people. Yeah. Watch themselves, hear advice, apply it. And then, and then get better. 100% in a short amount of time. And I think the last time that there was like really fun waves, it was like perfect. I think you guys actually have scored on all the camps. We've had we've had an assortment of days for sure. Yeah, a couple. Of, there's definitely a couple of challenging days. Yeah, just in with those camps as well, and some a couple of epic days. Yeah, when are you starting those back up? April. Nice. Yeah. April. Oh, that'll be cool. So we're excited. We're still working on logistics. <laughs> you know, they they came out with the. I saw something, but Solo Shot came out with the, like an updated um, setup. If you know the Solo Shots. Yeah. And I struggled um, with mine for years. Every I think everyone did, but supposedly the this new version is is you don't have to spend twenty minutes jumping up and down in front of it to get it to sync up with the That'd whatever it is. I think I'd like to see a review on it because there were some bugs that are pretty well noted and I'm still and, skeptical because I mean that would make it solo shot number four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Three they point. They couldn't seven. get it done by by the third one. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little 
But if they did, it'd be a good investment because, you, you know, as good as Sarah is, she's not around all the time. Yeah, not everyone really has fun. Sarah either, no. you know. And then you but. could trade up the, you could trade up uh, in the water and you could, you know, share. Hand off the tracker. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. It'd be yeah. really cool. Videos. Videos the key. Absolutely. Um, Dave, do you have any advice for, for the new foiler? Someone that, that's learning. Have more patience than me. <laughs> Would be that, yeah. Um, don't beat the shit out of yourself yeah, after yeah. every bad session. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> don't hate on yourself. You are good at Oh, dude, for sure. Flogging yourself that, <laughs> on the batter. That's why winging is so brutal for me. Yeah, but um, but no, no, baby For steps. every wing sesh, yes. 13 hours locked in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> Flogging yourself. <laughs> Actually, the flogging starts when you're doing that walk of shame with the heavy board and your yeah. wing is like full of sand and you're like, why do I do that? I'm walking back on my knees. <laughs> with that guy with the cross. You know, the guy with the cross. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say small victories are, are important. Like you're not going to you're not going to be uh, Brian or Eric or Pedigo in the first uh, couple sessions, but baby steps um, and then protect yourself. Like I still wear, I wear a bump cap now all the time, just, just because now I kind of feel naked without it. But yeah, if you're getting into it, I would go full, like light vest, protective vest and a helmet big time because it's super dangerous. And, um, I think it also gives you more confidence as, as a, as a learner, because those accidents are going to happen. You're going to have some close calls, but, um, and have fun with it. And, um, you know, we have a buddy that, and I think Eric's talked about it, but like our, our friend Greg never surfed before and. And, um, you know, if, if you've surfed, you've got a big advantage. You just know where to be to catch a wave. And, and, you know, we sort of forget sometimes that we're not, we're, we're just out there foiling where, you know, once you start getting used to catching waves, it's not the hardest part, maybe getting to your feet is, but, um, yeah, if, if you, if you've surfed, I think it makes it a considerably easier. Absolutely. Time, we already obviously. have our thousand hours in popping up quickly. Right. In, right, you know, stroking into waves. Now you just have to unlearn those thousand hours, parts of it, like the riding aspects, or, or not going back foot, going front foot. Right. right, that's the big one. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't all translate, but it is still a great advantage having surf experience. And sure. and I don't know, um, but the beautiful part, like an example, of Greg, anyone can learn. Yeah, you don't have to have it. Yeah, um, it's starting to click for. But him. then you might want to put a little more time in on the wing or the wake that kind yeah, of thing for sure before you hit the ocean. I um. Well, Speaking of accidents, yeah, um, you had a little accident. Oh, the public other day. public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> so I just picked up a new board, a new portal, right? So Eric and Mike's um, uh, Ford business, right, right, Brand. but cool because it's it's. I think it's a lot of their ideas kind of combined into one board, which is which is great and um, really digging the board. But I was uh, I did a shore runner with Eric, or I I didn't mine didn't go too well, and Eric was was gone, but um. So we were going to meet at a designated spot and Sarah was going to come pick us up. And I knew I wasn't going to make it down there and it was kind of going to be getting dark. So I, I went back to the car and I broke my routine and I was like, oh, I got to text Eric right now. So I put my board on the driver's side of my car at the back corner and I didn't lift up the back hatch. And then I went and texted and, and uh, got changed and totally forgot that I hadn't taken my board apart or put it in the car. And... Um, I was just on my way and ran over the nose of my board and um, learned a lesson about don't break your routine. Like you, know, you put your <laughs> keys in one spot. You just do every like don't break your routine, people. And thank God this board's insane. It, it's got two little pressure cracks. It didn't break the stringer. 
it's um it's it's a mild repair uh, which is unbelievable <laughs> it is kind of like free advertising now because that thing it, it handled very well <laughs> being run over by an there's entire some car. slight tire indentations in there but i mean the board's going to be fine yeah so talk about construction and and i've always thought you know mike's boards were bulletproof and eric the you know absolutely but th- this is a true testament that that's I, I like the nose up. The board was upside down. There was not even a ding on the nose. Yeah, the that nose, nose didn't crush in. It was, it was I would have thought for sure it would have crushed the nose. Um, it's barely scratched on the nose. Absolutely. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I've done something really similar. Yeah. I loaded up all my stuff and my uh, my board with the foil <clears throat> still on it was on the ground, like in my blind spot, and I pulled out of the pulled out of my spot and knocked the you know knocked the board onto its side and the and took a nice little chip out of the wing tip and. Could have been so much worse though. Which <laughs> was that the nine twenty five? I can't remember if it's here. You or cho- Jack's. I think he chopped one, and I didn't know if you chopped it because you needed to or if you wanted no, to. No, the nine twenty five I chopped because I wanted it to ride more like a one twenty at the time. Yeah, I was yeah. jealous. I didn't right. have a one twenty. Right. And I actually texted Kane and asked him like, "How what? How much? What do I do here to chop to get this certain performance?" And he gave me the the ratio, and so I did it. Um, but the problem with that chop was then it rode very similar to the 725, except the 725 still rode better. So I, I made my 925 obsolete. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, d- you, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen you surf that 725 in like ankle to shin high conditions and it's unbelievably impressive that you made that thing work. Yeah. Crazy. I did make it work. Um, when there was a little juice or backwash to help the pump back out. Yeah or a little bit juicier waves. It was such a good foil. I love the foil. Um, I didn't, at the time, I didn't have a better option. Right. And it's not the ideal way, wing to ride around here. Um, it, it doesn't have enough low end to really flow through, you know, the mush yeah. in, in, the, in the flat spots here. Definitely can make it work. Yeah. Um, my cardo probably was never better. Right. Riding that thing <laughs> right. On the regular, you know. Right. But, um, well, now you got that sweet spot with uh, eight eight ten. So I have an eight ten prototype. It's called a Halcyon. Yep. And uh, six fifty five. It's called the Uno, and that's a high aspect with a bunch of camber in it. And um, both those wings, yeah, have have a much greater low end, uh, and both being around the same size, yeah. small, and maneuverable. So it's 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 been nice. Yeah. So you think you'd ride that six? whatever in head high surf around here or more towing or both i've been on the 655 in sessions we've been out before in small waves Sick. and and yeah when people see how tiny it is they're like what what are you doing yeah <laughs> why why what are you doing but um, yeah but just the design of it and in the um the prototype tail just gives it low end with with great maneuverability yeah uh, so it's it's nice it's it was something i definitely needed around here yeah for sure well, how sick is our, our sandbars are pretty good right now, which like, remember when you first came here, the sandbars were horrible. It was like, I didn't know any better at the time, but yeah, I was like, oh, it was the worst. Yeah. They were at the time it was like super shallow on the outside bar and then the trough. But like at low tide, it was ankle deep. Like people could walk out there and stand on the bar. And when you first got here, it was like treacherous. That's, man. that's right. We were doing standing takeoffs. You had to. Trying to stand on the edge of the bar. Absolutely. Leap onto the wave, onto foil. And then the some days, spot. if you couldn't get up on foil immediately high, you were just every pump, you were just 
like fingers crossed. Like it was sketch. I'm surprised we didn't rip any of our boxes out because <laughs> we, we uh, failed any a grave dig. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. The day. Just we were going over the handlebars left and right just because it was so it was so shallow. And it made me dying to really like um, realizing that you know having a bigger foil. Um, for those days was crazy. And I didn't really want to go to the shorter route. I stay on that, like, you know, uh, 29 and a half for the most part. And, um, Fast. Yeah. yeah. So having like a, that 1150 is incredible for the lift for, you know, all around, but then the GT 1250 and even the 1400 turned really well, pumped pretty well, a little slower, but just such a good board for those shallow days because the second you got to your feet and you're super good at that too. Like as you paddle in, you kind of engage that foil right away. You're up on foil super quick. Um, and I kind of had to learn that and it helped having the the bigger foils for me. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, um, during that time, I watched your your pop-up technique improve really fast <laughs> out of necessity. <laughs> no <right>? choice. <laughs> yeah. Out of yeah. necessity, yeah, you started getting quicker. Had to. And driving off that back foot like immediately. As, immediately. As and then you could kind of take off on an angle right? Which you need to on those mm -hmm. days because if you go straight, you're done. So yeah, you get up on that high line, but you get up on foil right away. And, and, um, that gives you the exit. This first three pumps are like big explosive pumps. Yeah. Like right off the bat, you have to really gun it to get out of there. And once you do, you kind of, it makes the whole, changes the whole wave if you can start with it. Yeah. Yeah. That setup. Yeah. yeah. It's all about, yeah. Setting yourself up. The grave up, digger right? delight. You don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, dude. Um, really stoked you're my first guest. This has been a fun conversation. Uh, been fun bringing up some of stuff from the past year and a half here, uh, joining you and the Jack's Foil crew. Awesome, man. Well, thanks. Um, good to be on here and happy to help out. And uh, yeah, whatever. It's just fun being part of this crew. And I, it's, it's fun to uh, talk story a little bit, talk gear and dork out East coast style. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great having you part of the gang here and, um, it's, uh, it's fun. And if, if anyone wants to come up and foil, we're pretty open arm. Just don't foil at the pier, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Just don't foil where the surfers are. Oh, that's right. There's well, miles and miles of, yeah, we of don't have to break to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, again, thanks so much, buddy. And, uh, thank you for everyone, uh, for listening. Love to have you on again. Anytime. We just live three miles down the road now. So next a little time, further away, but next time let's get a couple of the other boys and crank a few beers and have a chat. Yeah. I think it'd be, be really be fun. <laughs> thank you for tuning in everyone for episode three of the Foil the World podcast with Dave Barachevic and Foil the World. Nice. Woo. Dave, we got to get you to do a little electric guitar riff over that. <laughs> Aloha, Foilers. I'm super happy to announce that Foiled the World podcast has their first supporter, and that is realwatersports.com. Uh, Real carries many of the top brands in foiling and in winging. For example, Armstrong, Freedom Foil Boards, Lift, Slingshot, Takuma. Um, yeah, they sell a bunch of use gear online as well um, i've actually visited real water sports in person i've got the tour of their warehouse their shop and stay in their waterman's retreat which was a pretty swanky hotel that's on their property it's overlooking 
the bay where uh, you go wing and you can kiteboard and there's lessons out front and have this uh, restaurant right on the water. It's uh, it's a pretty awesome area. Um, I've also ordered gear when I lived in Hawaii. I've ordered gear from Real Water Sports and you know shipped like very soon. You get a, a very fast confirmation. Um, and I one time ordered a wetsuit here while living in Jacksonville and it got lost in the mail and uh, Real was on top of it. So I've always been a fan, especially I have uh, after meeting Matt Nuzzo, one of the co-founders and co-owners of Real Water Sports, uh, meeting him in person on that trip up north, as well as, you know, my customer experience. So they've got a great thing going. Um, if you use Foil the World affiliate code, when you do any shopping at Real Water Sports, that's a way to support the show. And I get a little taste from that. And Real will upgrade your shipping. Um, for example, if you choose free shipping, you get upgraded to five to seven days shipping um, and so on from there. Um, there's no extra cost to you using the affiliate code, um, but it's uh, highly appreciated if you're going to do any shopping. It doesn't have to be only foil gear as well. So that's realwatersports.com and affiliate code foil the world for your upgraded shipping and a way to support the podcast. Thank you very much, um, Real, and thank you for supporting Foil the World podcast, everyone out there, the listeners. Aloha.